0: SECTION 3 OF MARTYRED ARMENIA BY FAIZ EL domain. My Travelling Companions From time to time I visited the men who had been in my company during the journey, but after my release the director of the prison would not permit me to go to them. I used, therefore, to ask for one of them and talk with him outside the prison in which the Armenians were confined. After a while I inquired for them, and was told that they had been sent to execution, like others before them, and at this I cried out in dismay. One day I saw a gendarme who had been imprisoned with us for a short time on the charge of having stolen articles from the effects of dead Armenians, and as he knew my companions I asked him about them. He said that he had killed the priest Isaac with his own hand, and that the gendarmes had laid wagers in firing at his clerical headdress. I made the best shooting, hit the hat, and knocked it off his head, finishing him with a second ball. My answer was silence. The man firmly believed that these murders were necessary, the Sultan having so ordered. The Sale of Letters When the government first commenced the deportation of the seven hundred men, the officials were instructed to prepare letters, signed with the names of the former, and to send them to the families of the banished individuals, in order to mislead them, as it was feared that the Armenians might take some action which would defeat the plan, and divulge the secret to other Armenians, thus rendering their extermination impracticable. The unhappy families gave large sums to those who brought them letters from their head. The government appointed a Kurd, a noted brigand, as officer of the militia, ordering him to slaughter the Armenians and deliver the letters at their destination. When the government was secure as to the Armenians, a man was dispatched to kill the Kurd, whose name was Ami-Hasi or Hasi-Ami. Slaughter of the Protestant, Chaldean, and Syriac communities The slaughter was general throughout these communities, not a single Protestant remaining in Diyarbakir. Eighty families of the Syriac community were exterminated, with a part of the Chaldeans in Diyarbakir, and in its dependencies none escaped save those in Madiat and Mardin. When latterly orders were given that only Armenians were to be killed, and that those belonging to other communities should not be touched, the government held their hand from the destruction of the latter. THE SYRIACS but the Syriacs in the province of Madiat were brave men, braver than all the other tribes in these regions. When they heard what had fallen upon their brethren at Diyarbekir and the vicinity, they assembled, fortified themselves in three villages near Madiat, and made a heroic resistance, showing a courage beyond description. The government sent against them two companies of regulars, besides a company of gendarmes which had been dispatched thither previously— the Kurdish tribes assembled against them, but without result, and thus they protected their lives, honor, and possessions from the tyranny of this oppressive government. An imperial irade was issued, granting them pardon, but they placed no reliance on it and did not surrender, for past experience had shown them that this is the most false government on the face of the earth. Taking back to-day what it gave yesterday... AND PUNISHING TODAY WITH MOST CRUEL PENALTIES HIM WHO IT HAD PREVIOUSLY PARDONED. CONVERSATION BETWEEN A POSTAL CONTRACTOR FROM BEATLIS AND A FRIEND OF MINE AS WE WERE SITTING AT A CAFE IN DIARBAKIR. CONTRACTOR I SEE MANY ARMENIANS IN DIARBAKIR. HOW COMES IT THAT THEY ARE STILL HERE? MY FRIEND THESE ARE NOT ARMENIANS BUT SYRIACS AND CHALDEANS. CONTRACTOR THE GOVERNMENT OF BEATLIS HAS NOT LEFT A SINGLE CHRISTIAN IN THAT VILAYET, NOR IN THE DISTRICT OF MUSH. IF A DOCTOR TOLD A SICK MAN THAT THE REMEDY FOR HIS DISEASE WAS THE HEART OF A CHRISTIAN, HE WOULD NOT FIND ONE, THOUGH HE SEARCHED THROUGH THE WHOLE VILAYET. PROTECTION AFFORDED BY KURDS TO ARMENIANS ON PAYMENT THE ARMENIANS WERE CONFINED IN THE MAIN WARD OF THE PRISON AT DIARBAKIR, AND FROM TIME TO TIME I VISITED THEM. One day, on waking from sleep, I went to see them in their ward, and found them collecting rice, flour, and monies. I asked them the reason of this, and they said, What are we to do? If we do not collect a quantity every week and give it to the Kurds, they insult and beat us, so we give these things to some of them, so that they may protect us from the outrages of their fellows. I exclaimed, There is no power nor might but in God and went back grieving over their lot. Dispatch of the Armenians to the Slaughter This was a most shocking proceeding, appalling in its atrocity. One of the gendarmes in Diyarbakir related to me how it was done. He said that, when orders were given for the removal and destruction of a family, an official went to the house, counted the members of the family, and delivered them to the commandant of militia, or one of the officers of gendarmerie. Men were posted to keep guard over the house and its occupants during the night until eight o'clock, thereby giving notice to the wretched family that they must prepare for death. The women shrieked and wailed, anguish and despair showed on the faces of all, and they died even before death came upon them. After eight o'clock wagons arrived and conveyed the families to a place nearby, where they were killed by rifle fire, or massacred like sheep with knives, daggers, and axes. SALE OF ARMENIAN EFFECTS AND REMOVAL OF CROSSES FROM THE CHURCHES After the Armenians had been destroyed, all the furniture of their houses, their linen, effects, and implements of all kinds— as well as all the contents of their shops and storehouses, were collected in the churches or other large buildings. The authorities appointed committees for the sale of these goods, which were disposed of at the lowest price, as it might be the case with the effects of those who died a natural death, but with this difference, that the money realized went to the treasury of the Turkish government, instead of to the heirs of the deceased." You might see a carpet worth thirty pounds sold for five, a man's costume worth four pounds sold for two mejidis, and so on with the rest of the articles, this being especially the case with musical instruments such as pianos, etc., which had no value at all. All money and valuables were collected by the commandant of gendarmerie and the vali Reshid Bey, the latter taking them with him when he went to Constantinople, and delivering them to Talat Bey. The mind is confounded by the reflection that this people of Armenia, this brave race who astonished the world by their courage, resolution, progress, and knowledge, who yesterday were the most powerful and most highly cultivated of the Ottoman peoples, have become merely a memory, as though they had never flourished. Their learned books are waste paper, used to wrap up cheese or dates. AND I WAS TOLD THAT ONE HIGH OFFICIAL HAD BOUGHT THIRTY VOLUMES OF FRENCH LITERATURE FOR FIFTY PIASTRES. THEIR SCHOOLS ARE CLOSED AFTER BEING THRONGED WITH pupils. SUCH IS THE EVIL END OF THE ARMENIAN RACE. LET IT BE A WARNING TO THOSE PEOPLES WHO ARE STRIVING FOR FREEDOM, AND LET THEM UNDERSTAND THAT FREEDOM IS NOT TO BE ACHIEVED BUT BY THE SHEDDING OF BLOOD, AND THAT WORDS ARE THE STOCK-IN-TRADE OF THE WEAK ALONE. I observed that the crosses had been removed from the lofty steeples of the churches, which are used as storehouses and markets for the keeping and sale of the effects of the dead. METHODS OF SLAUGHTER These were of various kinds. An officer told me that in the Vilayet of Bitlis the authorities collected the Armenians in barns full of straw or chaff piling up straw in front of the door and setting it on fire, so that the Armenians inside perished in the smoke. He said that sometimes hundreds were put together in one barn. Other modes of killing were also employed at Bitlis. He told me, to my deep sorrow, how he had seen a girl hold her lover in her embrace and so enter the barn to meet her death without a tremor. At Mouche, a part were killed in straw barns, but the greater number by shooting or stabbing with knives, the government hiring butchers who received a Turkish pound each day as wages. A doctor named Aziz Bey told me that when he was at Marzifun in the vilayet of Sivas, he heard that a caravan of Armenians was being sent to execution. He went to the Kaimakam and said to him you know I am a doctor, and there is no difference between doctors and butchers, as doctors are mostly occupied in cutting up mankind, and as the duties of a kaimakam at this time are also like our own, cutting up human bodies, I beg you to let me see this surgical operation myself. Permission was given, and the doctor went. He found four butchers, each with a long knife. The gendarmes divided the Armenians into parties of ten, and sent them up to the butchers one by one." The butcher told the Armenian to stretch out his neck. He did so, and was slaughtered like a sheep. The doctor was amazed at their steadfastness in presence of death, not saying a word or showing any sign of fear. The gendarmes used also to bind the women and children and throw them down from a very lofty eminence, so that they reached the ground shattered to pieces. This place is said to be between Diyarbakir and Mardin and the bones of the slain are there in heaps to this day. Another informant told me that the Diarbekir authorities had killed the Armenians either by shooting, by the butchers, or at times by putting numbers of them in wells and caves, which were blocked up so that they perished. Also they threw them into the Tigris and the Euphrates, and the bodies caused an epidemic of typhus fever. 2,000 Armenians were slaughtered at a place outside the walls of Diyarbakir, between the castle of the Sultan Murad and the Tigris, and at not more than half an hour's distance from the city. BRUTALITY OF THE gendarmes AND KURDISH TRIBES There is no doubt that what is related as to the proceedings of the gendarmes and the Kurdish tribes actually took place. On receiving a caravan of Armenians, The gendarmes searched them one by one, men and women, taking any money they might find, and stripping them of the better portions of their clothing. When they were satisfied that there remained no money, good clothes, or other things of value, they sold the Armenians in thousands to the Kurds, on the stipulation that none should be left alive. The price was in accordance with the number of the party. I was told by a reliable informant of cases where the price had varied between two thousand and two hundred liras. After purchasing the caravans, the Kurds stripped all the Armenians, men and women, of their clothes so that they remained entirely naked. Then they shot them down, every one, after which they cut open their stomachs to search for money among the entrails, also cutting up the clothing, boots, etc. with the same object such were the dealings of the official gendarmerie and the kurds with their fellow-creatures the reason of the sale of the parties by the gendarmes was to save themselves trouble and to obtain delivery of further parties to plunder of their money woe to him who had teeth of gold or gold-plated the gendarmes and kurds used to violently draw out his teeth before arriving at the place of execution Thus, inflicting tortures before actual death. A Kurdish aga slaughters fifty thousand Armenians. A Kurd told me that the authorities of Karput handed over to one of the Kurdish agas in that vilayet, in three batches, more than fifty thousand Armenians from Erzerum, Trebizond, Sivas, and Constantinople, with orders to kill them and to divide with themselves the property which he might take from them he killed them all, and took from them their money and other belongings. He hired six hundred mules for the women, to convey them to Urfa at the rate of three liras a head. After receiving the price, he collected mules belonging to his tribe, mounted the women on them, and brought them to a place between malatya and Urfa, where he killed them in the most barbarous way, taking all their money, clothes, and valuables. THE VIOLATION OF WOMEN BEFORE OR AFTER DEATH. Footnote. I REFRAIN FROM PARTICULARS. THE GENDARMES AND KURDS ARE STATED TO HAVE BEEN THE PERPETRATORS OF THESE ACTS. TRANSLATOR INCIDENT OF THE SHEIK AND THE GIRL I said above that the Armenian women were sent off in batches under guard of the gendarmes. Whenever they passed by a village, the inhabitants would come and choose any they desired, taking them away and giving a small sum to the gendarmes. At one place a Kurd of over sixty picked out a beautiful girl of sixteen. She refused to have anything to do with him, but said she was ready to embrace Islam and marry a youth of her own age. This the Kurds would not allow, but gave her the choice between death and the sheik. She still refused and was killed. Barsum Aga. Whilst I was Kaimakam of the district of Kiakta in the vilayet of Karput, I was acquainted with an Armenian notable of that place, named Barsum Aga. He was a worthy and courageous man, dealing well with Kurds, Turks, and Armenians, without distinction. He also showed much kindness to officials who were dismissed from their post in the district. All the Kurdish Agas thereabouts kept close watch over him, hating him because he was their rival in the supremacy of the place. When, after my banishment, I arrived at Sivrek, and heard what had befallen the Armenians, I inquired about him and his family. I was told that, when the government disposed of the Armenians of kiakta he was summoned and ordered to produce the records of monies owing to him—Kurds and Armenians in that district owed him a sum of ten thousand He replied that he had torn up the records and released his debtors from their obligations. He was taken away with the other Armenians, and on arrival at the Euphrates he asked permission to drown himself. This was granted, and he endeavored to do so, but failed as he could not master himself. So he said to the gendarmes, Life is dear, and I cannot kill myself, so do as you have been ordered. WHEREUPON ONE OF THEM SHOT HIM, AND THEN KILLED THE REST OF THE FAMILY. NARRATIVE OF A YOUNG TURK This youth, who had come to Diyarbakir as a schoolmaster, told me that the government had informed the Armenians of Brusa that their deportation had been decided, and that they were to leave for Mosul, Syria, or El Deir three days after receiving the order. After selling what they could, they hired carts and carriages for the transport of their goods and themselves, and started, as they thought, for their destination. On their arrival at a very rugged and barren place, far distant from any villages, the drivers, in conformity with their instructions, broke up the conveyances and left the people in the waste, returning in the night to plunder them. Many died there of hunger and terror— a great part were killed on the road, and only a few reached Syria or El Deir. End of section three.